listeners, thanks for joining us again on Yeah Aha uh-huh with Lisa and Phil and our co-host Aaron. Hello. This week we're joined by Tim O'Connor and Connie O'Connor. They are a married couple living in Cincinnati. They're both science-oriented people. Tim is in cybersecurity and uh, Connie is, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, I am the director of education at the Cincinnati Nature Center. I actually volunteered at the Nature Center at the north side location uh, when I was in high school. We uh, uh, we took a lot of honeysuckle out and we fed the turtles and did uh, and we ran tours. Although I could not for the life of me tell you what we said, but you know, <laughs> but we well, did little classes food. with the turtles for the kids and it was really fascinating. The frogs and turtles at the nature center are on payroll because they, they they don't even run away from a net with the kids. They're just like, all right, you know, <laughs> let's just yeah. keep this to, to hey, half an hour. Well, well, one of the things we discovered <laughs> we'll was they in. love to have their chin rubbed. If you ah. came from underneath and you did this, they liked that. You could do that hmm. for a while. No. So this is a dynamic duo. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they are, they got their hands on a number of things, not just uh, their, mm-hmm. their day jobs. But uh, I know that uh, Tim does a lot of work in astronomy. He is a, a gyroplane pilot. Yep, I fly uh, autogyros. It's uh, also known as gyroplanes. That's correct. Yeah, they're um, very similar to helicopters. They were invented before the helicopter. They're a little bit simpler, um, less expensive to own and fly, but similar principles. The top rotor isn't powered. Uh, you have a propeller like an airplane, You will, except for it's pushing you typically. Uh, mm-hmm. From behind to fly. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Completely terrifying. <laughs> All I saw were I still. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was yeah. in it, and I wasn't terrified. Yeah. But I was cold, well, and the jacket puffed up like I was the Michelin Man, <laughs> and it tried to blow the helmet off my head. <laughs> I know that. Now, is that the type of piloting that you do, Connie, as well? Nope. I fly. Um, I fly fixed wing aircraft. So I learned on a 1946 Piper Cub. I think it was. And uh, the kind that you see in the old movies, the yellow ones, you know, and, um, you know, so I fly lighter um, fixed wing aircraft, but someday I'll learn how to fly the gyroplane too. Just haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> and you're both I'm surprised uh, Tim hasn't uh, dogged you into doing it. Hasn't, hasn't been <laughs> at been, your, at your heels. It's true. He would be, except he's been too busy too. We've just been just, I don't know what happens, but we just seem to get busier every year. <laughs> There's a single seat version of my food. Oh, okay. So it's open air. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. I got you. Get the bugs on your Mm -hmm. teeth. That's right. It's a motorcycle that goes in an additional dimension up. Right. Mm -hmm. Natural evolution. But but Connie is a a conservationist. Which means Tim is, too. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Who's that? This is Jack. Yeah, yeah, poor Jack is uh, he's 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 not doing so well right now. He has cancer in his sinuses. And, oh, uh, oh my goodness! I can't even imagine. I mean, my sinuses attack as it is. Yeah, we're we're hoping that oh. um, that, that yeah. he's going to get some some treatment and yeah. uh, and he? see if we can extend his. He's about ten. So yeah. there were a couple topics that we kind of uh, picked Come on here, that we thought yourself. we'd go down the path okay. with. Come on up. Uh, Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know that uh, maybe we'll start with Tim. He wanted to talk about mentalism. And when mm-hmm. I saw that, I was like, I'm what exactly? You know, because I'm thinking, okay, I'm uh, uh-huh. Johnny Carson doing a Carmack or something or mm-hmm. Preskin or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, that's something like that. Preskin's you know, a good example. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. turns out, yes, that is, mm-hmm. that is kind of what you're talking about and, and how it relates to something that we know from technology. Yeah, so yeah, I've, I've had a, um, a very long interest in, in mentalism and uh, also sort of related fields like uh, debunking uh, pseudoscience. And also uh, I work in the field of cybersecurity and in cybersecurity, we have con artists, call them evil hackers, but they're con artists that do uh, something called social engineering. And all these things are really closely related. You're, you're fooling people. In the case of a mentalist, it's, it's for entertainment purposes. Uh, in the case of uh, someone who's an evil hacker, it's so they can probably make money or achieve some nefarious outcome. But this, the principal steps are the same. You're leveraging human bias and perception in order to manipulate someone, uh, whether it's for entertainment or profit or, or uh, ill gain, whatever it is. So um, it works out fairly well. Um, I uh, have been doing uh, mentalism as a parlor show for parties and some nonprofit events for quite a number of years. Uh, I had a gig to do what's it called? A um, vaudeville act. Um, I was going to be right after a burlesque show, but sadly it got uh, canceled because of COVID and maybe that'll start up again uh, at a um, speakeasy bar in Northern Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, wow. Where at? Newport? Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, Newport. It's, um, uh, it's not the one in the gatehouse, is it? Isn't there a speakeasy in the no, gatehouse? No, they, they make a rum and um, I'm, I'm spacing at the moment. I'll think of it, of it later. I'm interested. Yeah. I poured some rum in my coffee just as it turned five <laughs> o'clock. Uh, nice. All right. So mm-hmm. rum th- on the left or rum 30. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So what we're talking about. Way hey, up she rises. How it relates to cybersecurity is uh, mm-hmm. the social engineering side. Of, yeah. Um, so do you familiar with the term con artist? Certainly. Do you know what the word, the beginning of that con stands for in con, con artist? Con artist? Mm. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> I think I read this today. Aaron's going to have an aneurysm. I, I am. <laughs> he knows it's back. Uh, he knows it's back. There it's somewhere. in there. It's we're being quizzed, yeah. by the way. Yeah. yeah, lay it on me. Confidence, confidence, confidence. man. That's yeah. it. Yeah, because it, belo- it, was, it was right there, but it wasn't, yeah. you know, there's a, a series of steps that every single confidence con artist takes you through, whether it's doing a shell game on the corner of the street on a sidewalk or or uh, hacking into your computer using um, social media yeah. to get Monty. information yeah, from you. The first thing they do is they get your confidence. There's two ways you can do that. One is you can tell someone a story a false story typically that uh, I'm a prince in, in Nigeria and I'm stuck. If you give me some money, I'll make you rich. Just get me out of this, this, uh, this problem I'm in. Uh, or you could steal confidence. And the way you do that is you pretend to be someone. I'm the IRS calling you up and but you've got a case against you. But if you just happen to wire me a thousand dollars, we'll somehow forget that case. You know, so there's, there's the two different ways to get confidence, steal it or, produce a story that's probably fictitious the second part of email that says uh what is it there's a problem with your payment method on amazon so please reply to this email that's um, right amazon and and we'll fix it for you Mm -mm. 
Yep, that FedEx shipment you're expecting, uh, there's a problem. Click here, put in your password. We'll fix it for you. Your PayPal account has been closed down because of uh, strange activity. Click here, put in your password oh, so we no, can fix no, it. No. PayPal and I have nothing to do with each other. Uh, the second part of the attack is called Ether. This is where the con artist's job is to put you in an emotional state so that you do not think rationally or thinking with emotions. This can be done by using greed or fear any number of different emotional states. And then if you start to get out of it, if you start to start to think rationally or start to try and get out of the con game, um, they'll usually put something in there that's time limited. We have to do this now. I'm going to go away. It's now or never. Yeah. Call before midnight. Yeah, the Mexicans are coming through the border. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So get that time function in there. And then finally, they, they motivate you to, to do something. And what a lot of people don't understand is they're not tricking you into doing something that you don't want to do. What they're doing is they're motivating you to do something that you're already biased towards. So if someone's trying to motivate you to, um, it has to do with election fraud, they're not trying to get you to vote for a different candidate. They're trying to get you to do something for a particular for the candidate you already wanted to do. That's above and beyond some actions that you might have already taken. Yeah. Now, do you believe there was much um, election fraud during the last presidential election? No, not, not any significant amount of election fraud. Most of the election fraud has to do with gerrymandering mm-hmm. that takes place in the United States. The vast majority of election fraud is, 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 is one to do with gerrymandering and two to deal with election finance. Yeah, and, that, and that's why we need to get more active on the local level for gerrymandering. Yep. Uh, and here in, the, in Ohio, the citizens of the state of Ohio uh, altered the state constitution to say that uh, election maps must be drawn fairly. And right now, um, it has gone back and forth to the Ohio Supreme Court many times because the people in office will not draw a fair map, and they're doing their very best to try and find a way around it and stall past the time that it's due because they simply won't draw a fair map. Well, there's a certain, uh, I guess there are a set of heroes in the social engineering um, canon uh, one may be the amazing Randy, which it seems yep. you met. Um, yes. Uh-huh. I saw a picture of you with him. So I was going to ask you yep. about, you know, what was I that? I got to about? work with him for a very short amount of time. I remember mm-hmm. seeing him back in the seventies on mm-hmm. television shows with uh, Uri Geller where he was, Yep. you know, on there. Debunking kind of- Johnny Carson. Yeah. Right. Right. So did he really need to debunk Johnny Carson? Oh, no, he was on Johnny Carson. <laughs> oh, okay. Bunking, uh, Gary Geller. Say, what, what exactly did yeah. Johnny do? He's <laughs> uh, taking months for some of that hardcore Karnak stuff. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, that guy was amazing. <laughs> so what did you work with him on? I mean, was it a television only, only, only just for just a, a few seconds of, of fame. So um, an autobiography, a, a biography of, uh, of uh, Randy's life came out, a movie. And it was, um, we went to um, a premiere where Randy was going to be there um, down in Lexington or Louisville, one of those L cities in Kentucky. And during the show, they would stop and they had a discussion panel up on stage and and they uh, asked if there are any, you know, amateur magicians in the audience. And I was the only one there. And then he said, well, you know, be sure and hang out after the movie. We're going to be doing some stuff and so after the movie he had a little small stage set up where he was talking to people answering questions and so I was hanging out there to to talk to him after he got done and uh, unfortunately there was a guy who was just really drunk just terribly you know snockered and uh you know Randy he wasn't up for doing any 
illusions or tricks there. He was talking about the movie and answering questions about the movie that had come out and, and stuff like that. And this drunk guy just kept going, oh, do a trick, Randy, do a trick. So I went over next to him and I just happened to have a prestidigitation routine that I've been doing for a long time. And I did it for this drunk guy. So I pulled it, pulled a, some dollar bill out of my wallet and did this thing where I, I passed it through the drunk guy's hand and freaked him out. And as soon as I started doing this, Randy walked over on the stage and put his face inches away from my hands as I was doing the prestidigitation. And Connie was there and she said I wasn't shaking, but I could have sworn my hands were going like that because you have the, one of the world's most famous magicians and mentalists of all time watching you, you, you do your thing there. So I did that. So I appeased the drunk. Putting his face right in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did it and the drunk was happy and he went off and, and then Randy said, I want to talk to you after. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then so after he talked to the crowd and everything, he took me into one of the other theaters and he spent about half an hour uh, giving me some tips and pointers um, on, uh, on some of the uh, different things that he perfected over the years that magicians only share with other magicians or mentors. That's why I was watching so closely. Otherwise who's going to enjoy the mystery. That's right. And I enjoy mystery. I think, what do you think of uh, Penn and Teller? I think they kind of taken up the mantle from if it wasn't for the, the fact that they're atheists, I would genuflect anytime someone says their name. <laughs> we saw them in Las Vegas, and I was uh, so tongue-tied. I don't think I actually even said anything to them. I was just like, oh, I'm not worthy. You were teller. <laughs> that, would make, that would make Tim Penn. Yeah. Yeah. In our experience, though, um, um, a teller talked our – heads yeah. off and and pen was like oh hi let's take a yeah. selfie oh, oh you met true. them personally outside yeah we were okay. chatting yeah. with them yeah yeah it's really cool mm-hmm. we went and saw the abracadabra yeah. magic mm-hmm. show. grand illusion though that was a little bit different i guess you mean the gen or when we were in vegas no no years ago oh yeah park, oh yeah the one where he uh uh he like floats her on the Pin dragons and uh, yeah, you know, that type yeah. of thing. So. Yeah, they did that. They do it at the, uh, was it the play? Yeah, it was the playhouse in the park. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, Thompson, not the Thompson Shelter House, the other room. Yeah. Okay. There, so there are other Hall of Famers in this mm-hmm. world of social engineering or mentalism. And one of them is uh, sort of a controversial character, I guess, just because he did some prison time for his, uh, for his talents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Kevin. Mitnick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I bring up Kevin Mitnick in my presentations and public speaking gigs I do um, uh, at work. And uh, because he pretty much the kind of hacking that he did is exactly the kind of hacking that I specialize in trying to protect people from, which is social engineering. You you know, so there, there, I don't know if this actually happened. It's uh, urban legend but um he was on this is this first part is true he was on the fbi's most wanted list and he was uh, caught and taken to court most of the charges were actually fake but he was coming out of a courtroom this part is the urban legend and it goes like this a reporter stuck her microphone up in kevin mitnick's face and said how do you use computers to steal people's passwords and supposedly he laughed and said i don't use computers to steal people's passwords I use people to do that. It's a lot easier. It'd be a waste of time to spend using computers to steal passwords and you can get them from people so easily. And so that's 
what I work with is that that human factor, the, the weakest link in the chain. With, if you can manipulate a human, firewalls can't stop your malware or, or your intrusion or your hackers from getting into your company if your end users can fall for a social engineering attack. Oh, yeah. But yeah, sometimes the weakest, you know, in, in people's minds, you know, whether we're watching the, you know, Insurance. TV, they're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about programmers that are able to hack code and mm-hmm. uh, it takes a tremendous amount of uh, computer science uh, expertise in order to engineer a, a hack. Or, and sometimes the weakest link mm-hmm. is a human, a human HID. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I've got a story from high school. We had, um, we had a Vax, you know, a mini computer, I guess. And um, I was in, I don't know, one of my first couple, probably my second ever computer class, a basic class. And um, the teacher, Ms. Romanello, was teaching everybody how to change your password. And so there was this command, like, run ampersand C-H-A-P-A-S. Run, you know, and she, t- she typed it, and then it would prompt you for your current password and then your new password and confirm it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, one guy in the class watched her watched her fingers and knew what they were. And um, I forget what I think I knew what her account was, and he knew what the password was. And we went in there and we like deleted the uh, the exams. Oh, we had to get it back off the back. Statute of limitations oh. is passed. Oh, yeah, I hope so. That's why I said before it has to be gone. <laughs> Weren't you like been, class valedictorian too? I mean, shouldn't we look into all uh, this? I, I was pretty far yeah, down the list. Oh, that was Ken. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I was around <laughs> 50. <laughs> but I think there's a 30 year, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's really that's that's interesting. Um, uh, and so, and interestingly so enough, it was a really get- quick way when you log off. That was some. I think it was uh, you'd type the word BYE, and then you could also have a switch if you did um, BYE slash k for kill it would go down the list and you decide what programs to delete and what ones to keep and i'm just like you know delete 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 and i you know i did it at a time when i wasn't in there logged on it was like right around it was probably lunchtime so there there wasn't you know there weren't cameras there was no sign it was me right well back then i mean would there have been back then no that's what i'm saying now you couldn't do that yeah well i was watching uh I've I've become obsessed with this. Her, the uh, password was TKR was her initials, and then she changed it to RKT, and she changed it back and forth. I guess. Careful, she might still be using that now. Yeah. Yeah, you're Teresa crazy. King Romanello. <laughs> crazy yeah. memory. Yeah. Oh, I got mad when I had to add numbers to mine. <laughs> add numbers to add your numbers? memory. Oh, to your password. Yeah. Yep. Like uh, special characters too. And what gets me is my uh, my, my password. My password for like uh, ordering pizza is more secure than my password for my bank. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. That's another thing we should. Really? So <laughs> it's, it's the, the folks that make that recommendation and they're called NIST. And a couple of years ago, they changed their mind and they changed their recommendations. Sadly, most companies and organizations haven't caught on to this. It's actually not the most important thing to have a password that's 50 characters long, requires 10 different, you know, character types and a note from your mom. Complex passwords yeah. are actually not that desirable as we once thought. What's but much more desirable. don't know that. Yeah. Well, the new one, if, they, if they're following the newest NIST guidelines, they should. Mm-hmm. But um, what's really most important is that you use a phrase so you can remember it. Mm-hmm. 
and that so that you don't yeah, write it down or order it. And mm -hmm. the second important thing is that you don't use the same password or passphrase, which is actually a better thing to use. Don't use the same passphrase on, on different sites. So you don't mm -hmm. want to be using the same password or passphrase for your bank, for instance. And that was a good example you just gave, um, as you do for ordering pizza. You're going to keep right. those passphrases separate. That is really the most important. Although thing. If, if that pizza ordering is tied to your bank also. Well, well it, yeah. it depends. There's, there's, a, there's a certain amount of risk that. Um, yeah, you can only order so much. So pizza. many pizza. Yeah. Right. Right. So what what can mm -hmm. people do to mitigate a so social engineering uh, hack? You know, uh, not Education. talk to people, not write their passwords down. Yeah. I mean, so so we we have an ace in the hole as humans, and that we're basically uh, supercomputers when it comes to facial and pattern recognition. And so the human, the, the most powerful AIs and supercomputers on the planet um, still can't do facial recognition and definitely not pattern recognition as well as a human brain. Every human that's ever been born has the superpower of this pattern recognition that, that uh, is just incredible. So if we can show the patterns of a con game just a few times to a human, you start to pick up on those patterns. And then when you see it again, even if it's completely unique, that little spidey sense goes off uh, and you might realize that, hey, this is a con game and get, be able to get out of it in time before it happens. So it's really just exposing people to the methodology of con games enough that you can get your human pattern generator kicked in to understand those patterns. And it doesn't matter how that hack comes to you, email, telephone, pager, whatever, you start to you recognize that pattern, even though it's in a different form, and you get a clue to the fact that, hey, you might be getting hacked or something's going on that's suspicious. And that's the key. We have the superpower that we can use. There's a, um, there is a, a problem that we had in astronomy is um, these space telescopes as well as ground-based telescopes took thousands and thousands of images of galaxies for a study. And they ran into a problem because they couldn't get the supercomputers to be able to properly analyze those galaxy pictures. And even when they could, it was so slow, it was going to take them a decade or so to finish the project. So they opened it up to humans in something called um, Galaxy Zoo. And mm -hmm. with what they did is they just gave humans about five or 10 minutes with the training. That's it on how to recognize the different kinds of galaxies. And they went through and they finished it a thousand times faster than the computers were able to and with higher accuracy. Excellent. And the project yes. is finished. Yeah. <laughs> and now they've gone on to do other citizen science things by leveraging the power of the human pattern recognition, the human brain uh, to be able to solve these problems that even supercomputers can't solve. We can apply that same ability to protecting ourselves from con artists and evil hackers. We just have to know how to do it. All right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, Kevin Mitnick, uh, I just saw a tweet of his the other day, and he talking. He was talking about he would listen. The Netflix to, girl. Yeah, creating Anna. Inventing creating Anna. Be number Inventing. two. It's a really good show. By would the way, would be number really two compelling. on the social engineering hall yeah. of fame. So I knew that Lisa. We've been mm -hmm. watching that. So I knew. Is that is that a true story or is it a fiction? Um, it's based scripted on a series. Says no, that everything, everything reported here is absolutely true, except for the parts that are completely made up. Yeah, I think it's based on. So that's I kind of not helpful. 
Yeah. It's but, based but on it's, something that actually happened. The question is, how true is it? But it's and, a real dramatization. But it's there's not. a, yeah, you know, one of the things they point out is she's in jail for this and, um, you know, Trump isn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, people like Trump and Goldman Sachs, they got, they got $2 million in a retirement fund, you know, or, or $12 million in a retirement fund, whereas she goes to jail. Well, anybody that wants to so, look at this, yeah. uh, Mm-hmm. You know, social engineering and, mm-hmm. you know, what it looks like from the inside out. There's mm-hmm. your endorsement from the man himself, Mitnick. Number two. Yeah. Named Anna, number two on their uh, is all of fame for social engineering. Yeah. But she, it, it is kind of amazing. And you watch what she does and you're like, how does she double down like this? I mean, she's obviously got no money. She's showing these that she has nothing. Uh, oh, my credit cards aren't working. My credit cards aren't working for like a year and a half. Right. Um, and then, she goes out and goes shopping. So obviously she has money or she wouldn't be buying all these expensive things at all these expensive places. So how could she not have money? So it must be the credit card. I think it is a true story. They caught her dining and dashing, right? Among other things. Oh, oh, no. When they they apprehended her, I think the real person, it it was on a dine and dash. We haven't got that well, far. yeah, yeah, we haven't. <laughs> We're in episode four. Okay, Aaron. Uh, I, Spoilers. I, mean, I, I didn't watch. I didn't. Sorry to bring truth to your. Uh, no, that's on. okay. There's there's a lot of going on. We get lost in. Um, it's a but it's it's a fascinating, and I think a lot of it is true. I think they just filled in. I think what she did, the basis of what she did, is true. They just filled in some of the blanks, you know. So uh, drama. But, yeah. But it, it's such an amazingly fascinating story that she managed to do all this. And yeah, she orchestrated yeah, it like a maestro. It's like, and of course, Jennifer. Uh, until it falls apart. Or what's, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, that's Holy, right. The, the girl from the girl right. from Ozark. Right. right. She's right. from Ozark, and she's from other. She's just such a good actress. Have you seen Nightmare Alley? No, we have not watched that yet. Just right, come well, to HBO Max, so I can oh. watch it now. Yeah, we we have to. Uh, Did you watch it in black and white or color? I believe it was set uh, color. Set, oh boy, that's they, a good they released the black and white later. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, All right. Oh. Um, but Del Toro uh, so, says you should watch it in black and white for what that's worth. Yeah. So it's um, you know, it's, it's a good little introduction to something in in social engineering called cold reading. There's also a good South Park episode on cold reading, but I can't say the name of the episode on on a. Uh, and uh, unless your show is uh, PG, uh, <laughs> say what the fuck you want. Or, uh, yeah. I can't remember the. Uh, we we can go South Park over the top of it if we uh, want to. Right, Philip can edit. And besides, I think that any any children that are listening to our podcast can fuck off. Uh, no, wait, no, 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 they, they, they probably have heard those words. <laughs> <laughs> they probably watched South Park. All right. Well, you know what? We got mm-hmm. two guests yes. this week, and we want to get around. To some of Connie's good work. So we're going yeah. to go ahead and take a break for our sponsor right now. You have coyotes? Um, I don't remember coyotes in Ohio. You know, there's oh, yeah. coyotes. There's mm-hmm. so many coyotes. It's that they're really quiet, though, Aaron. In fact, everybody in Ohio probably lives within a mile of a coyote den. They just don't know it because coyotes, are, coyotes lay low. They're smart enough to lay low. So one of the bigger bird. ones in my life, yeah. Super Bowl Sunday on a golf course. Really? Yeah. 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 There's coyotes. There's foxes, and of course, I mentioned the two raptors. One of which actually does officially nest in Norwood. 
Yeah, there's coyotes so, all around Norwood now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they've gotten more. And like I said, too, we had a raccoon problem at the time. I saw so, a raccoon the size of a, of a mm, like a koala bear or something. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah we had some pretty big raccoons right after they took out yeah, the gardens. Big. Trash pandas can get big. Yeah. They can. And, you know, I've seen a rac- video of raccoons that are actually chasing off uh, coyotes from like, you know, a dog food dish or something. That coyote will back off. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So Connie, yeah. uh-huh. the yeah. director yeah. of education at the Cincinnati Nature Center. So that's, yeah. that's quite a title. I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, you're a conservationist, animal lover, credentialed educator. So when I looked at the site, there was a, I was impressed by the number of events. It's like ongoing all year long. It's like there's, you know, there's camps in the summer and there's mm-hmm. bird watching events and there's all these different things. Do you get involved in some of those I, events? Or? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I've been at the nature center for gosh, 27 years now. And so when I first started, there were only 5,000 members because it's a private nonprofit nature center. It's member based, you know, we don't get any tax money or anything. And now we're up to, so we went from 5,000 members to 17,000 members over the course of my tenure there and so you know the programs have just gotten so much bigger there's so much more going on and yeah I I think I've probably experienced all the programs at some point or another and helped with them at some point or another most recently though up there she is I knew she'd start yapping as soon as I started talking she has to go out Tim is what she's at the door right now (laughs) Uh, most recently um, you know the nature center is mostly about people who just love being outside and enjoying nature recreation you know hiking stuff like that but after 27 years I've started to think you know what I want to see if we can get these members to sort of start trying to make a difference when it comes to like climate change and conservation and, you know, renewable energy and stuff. Like I want to see them use their voice, you know, for, for conservation. So my my programs now are mostly about behavioral change, um, social influence, um, using your voice, your civically civic engagement, civil discourse. It's a whole different direction for a nature center. I used to teach about coyotes and fluffy rabbits and help kids hold frogs. And now I'm trying to teach adults how to influence their friends and family for the greater good. So we'll see if it works. <laughs> when I saw when, you when last. Can I week... attend one of those classes? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I will hook you up. Your uh, recycling partner. <laughs> when it's when I saw like... you last, you had something like next door, or you, next door to some kind of conservatory. I, I'm trying to remember what it was. And is, is that, um, where, is that what you work at still? Yeah, it's the same place. It's over. It's um, it's near Eastgate Mall. It's got a, it's you know many. It's like twelve hundred acres of land near, um, near Claremont near, County Airport, maybe near a small airport. Yeah, it's not too far from there. Yeah, uh huh. Yep, that's right. Cool. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's a big nature center. You know, it's been there for a long time. It's been there. It's just about as old as I am. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and I've spent half my life working there. So it's it's pretty cool. Awesome. You know, something like that, uh, you assume you would assume Cincinnati and might know where that's at, or, or but what is the URL so people can check that out? To... It's uh, it's uh, since www.cincynature.org, that's C I N C Y nature.org. A lot of people confuse it with the Cincinnati Park District, but we're not even in Cincinnati, which is kind of confusing. We're actually in Milford, Milford Eastgate area. So it's not even, you know, it doesn't, it's not owned by the Cincinnati Parks or anything like that. It's its own private thing. Well, Milford's kind of sneaky there because it's like you're in some place, you're in this store, and then you realize I'm in Milford. Yeah, yeah that's right. Surprise. <laughs> that's right. 
<laughs> I know it. Bike trails and, mm-hmm. and little Miami and all that. We have bike trails in Hyde Park. We do. Yeah. yeah. But Milford's special. Yeah. We start yeah. driving back through the back roads and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's It's got yeah. a more uh, country feel to it. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It does. It does. And, you know, in terms of getting your partner to recycle, it's interesting because people talk about that kind of stuff a lot. You know, they're like, well, you know, I want other people to care about what I care about. And sort of the idea that people have is if you just tell people the facts, you know, then they'll be like, oh, I was so silly. Of course, now I understand that I'm going to do exactly this thing, you know, but it's never about the facts. It's really about emotion. You know, it's it's about um, sort of most of our decisions are subconscious anyway. We're not really thinking really hard about our decisions. It's more emotional than it is factual and we're not real logical. But I'd say the best thing you can do to convince your husband to recycle is to um, find out what's important to him and speak according to what his values are. It's, you know, values based communication, what's important to him and how can you find some common ground? And Mm -hmm. it seems like most people don't do that with nature issues they're like you know i'm a nature person and you should be too and and you know i want to plant native plants and let me tell you why you should plant native plants instead of sort of talking about solar power and wind power (laughs) right right like why doesn't everybody want this and so trying to trying to figure out what other people want and then how you can find some common ground is the best way to sort of move forward because if you don't if you can't preserve the relationship you're not going to get anywhere the minute you make the other person defensive you've lost your opportunity to influence them, you know? And I, and I try my best to couch it in terms of we're going to save money, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah. that is one of his, and I, I just haven't figured out how to connect it to baseball yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing some things that I can do. Like for instance, uh, these, this is, this is made out of Kroger bags, plastic. Kroger bags. Hey. Oh, good yeah. for you. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, so I'm trying to make this and I want to make like baskets and totes and things like that. Oh, really? You okay. know? That's nice. That's really You didn't together. know that's what I've been doing? Well, you told yeah. me, but I didn't see the finished product. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Right. Well, this isn't that's the finished nice. product. This is the rope that you use to make the product. I just hope I don't find product. it around my neck in the morning. Don't worry, honey. You probably... <laughs> well, I don't know. It's pretty damn strong. But, but honey, you know I'm going to hold the pillow over your head until sure. you stop struggling. Well, you'll break some piano wire next. Which, of course, oh, is why no. I'll never kill him that way. Not that I would ever <laughs> kill him. Watch the checking account to see if she's upped your life insurance. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, Actually, that's the tell that was, right there. That was the financial advisor's idea. I had not known. Ah, okay. uh, that's funny. <laughs> Can't accuse <laughs> Mitnick of that. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about shaping, you know, uh, trusting in science and knowledge to shape behavior. And it must be frustrating when it, when you don't see that happening, but Is that what you mean by social marketing? Yeah, social marketing is interesting. You know, um, the the whole thing about like nature centers and a lot of other environmental organizations is the idea that you give people knowledge and they're going to do the right thing. But that's not how it works. And if you look at how marketing works, if you look at like commercials on TV, they're not giving you a bunch of facts about their products, right? And yet they get you to do what they want you to do. They're manipulating our emotions and the mental shortcuts and our our biases and our in-group loyalty, you know, our social connections, our 
our identity, our image. They, they take all that stuff and they turn it into, you know, uh, this, this, you know, little clever way to get us to do what they want us to do. So if you can do that for like profit and, you know, to get people to buy your crap, then why can't you do that for good behavior, for stuff that actually makes the world a better place for the greater good, right? And so social marketing is about figuring out what you want people to do, like, you know, recycle or drive electric cars, whatever the thing is. And then you figure out, you know, like, what are the barriers? What are the motivations? what what will appeal to people and you use the same exact stuff that you use with regular marketing except you're using it to get people to do things like you know stop smoking don't shake the baby you know um you know don't drive drunk you know buy an electric car so you can don't use roll the coal, same don't roll coal over text to over tesla drivers <laughs> yeah, there you go there you go so you know i think that we've been you know trying to be also like pure with a lot of our messaging for environmental issues like you know here's the problem and we're going to appeal to your conscience and we're going to tell you the facts and you're going to get all worried about it and you're going to do the right thing oh forget all that just just do exactly what the marketing people are doing, except do it for the powers of good. So that's sort of what social marketing is all about. Um, and not that that's what the Nature Center does, but that's what I think a lot of conservation organizations Maybe are realizing. Maybe you hire someone to teach you to do that. You know, I thought about it. Like, could we get a social marketer on our staff, you know? <laughs> well, I like that. Because yeah, that yeah. Was, I look at uh, marketing as like the dark social side. social engineering. You know? That's right. Yep. Yeah, she's she's to uh, she's she'd be to marketing what Tim is to hacking. Right? <laughs> That's right. Tim needs to volunteer. There you go. I do. I do actually. So, like yeah. Connie said, you know, you you know, facts aren't going to change behavior. People think that, but it's simply not the case. Um, we know that information goes through your biases, then goes into short-term memory. After about twenty-four or forty-eight hours, it well, goes into true. long-term memory, and and then. We, uh, I've always assumed that once it got into long-term memory, that would change your behavior because that's where our actions come out of is long-term memory. But it turns out it's not the case. Um, you have to appeal to someone's values and, uh, uh, before a, a behavior change will take place. And, um, so I do science outreach, you know, at nature center is one of the places I do that. And one of the things that it's good with doing science outreach with astronomy is when people look through a telescope they get that 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 connection that that sense of a of a value and something special or precious happening and a unique opportunity so that helps bring in the up the chances of having a change in in thought or behavior or attitude when you can do that so astronomy outreach out of the different kinds of science outreaches has a unique advantage in that perspective mm-hmm sort of being incentivized intellectually, mm-hmm. but well, a lot of our behavior patterns are set by the time we're like six. Yeah. And our values are set by the time we're like 12, you know, I mean, you're not going to change the values of an adult and yeah, your behavior. Most of the time. Set. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There yeah. can be major life epiphanies, but yeah. you know, that's rare. It is rare. It's true. Mm-hmm. But that, that's you know, interesting because I have a very negative view of marketing. I feel like they're yeah. all charlatans. I feel like they're yep. all out to manipulate me. Like I don't should have take, a very negative. They're not just marketing; they're out to yeah. get Philip. But this, you know, this <laughs> the brighter side of most it. of all, okay. we all know that. <laughs> oh, if, if we go to buy a car and they start we, getting all we go to the secret let's get film meetings we've actually <laughs> we've actually <laughs> car that's why we can't do the podcast then. Uh, 
his his <laughs> sister dropped us off at the car dealership because our car was dead. She dropped us off. We had no choice. We had nowhere to go. Philip's like, the guy started getting on his nerves. The next thing you know, I'm sitting at the bus stop <laughs> with my husband. Because, oh, no. And this guy's actually following us out of the dealership and realizes, uh, okay, I need to chill. No. Because he was just going way too salesman. With, oh, yikes. Stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I hate that. Like, okay, let's walk. I'm, I have I'm, no yeah. problem with that. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'm a hard I'm sell. Like, that's for Yeah. 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 Well, and that, you know, that salesperson didn't obviously didn't know his trade because the first thing he should have been doing is a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of not talking. You know, yeah, that's how you he had a that's how you on his lap. Yeah. Yeah. He, I he's mean, too stupid to see it. Yeah, exactly. As, as uh, my boss says, my old boss, you can, you can stop drilling. You struck oil is what he would say. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> keeps going on and on after that's right. after you after you, you like, all right, sold. And then. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, and, and and sometimes I'll even be like, Philip, just take the yes. <laughs> just take the yes, exactly. I'm tired of listening to you. Yes. Yeah. Stop oh, the conversation and walk away. <laughs> just sign the papers or whatever it is you do next. You know, I agree one of the... with you. Quit arguing with me. <laughs> I just started taking a class on um, mindful communication because it yeah. sort of fits in with this whole thing that I'm trying to do now, which is mm-hmm. understand how to get people sort of bridging the gap, you know, that if they're they have they come from different places how can they find a middle ground and and reach sort of some understanding and i realized that i'm not that great at doing that um mindful communication helps because you know you have to be present and you really have to listen more than you talk and and you know you have to just make a decision am i going to speak or am i going to listen right now and how is what's saying what the other person is saying how does that make me feel you know like you have to really check in with yourself and so i just started it i have like you know, weeks to go on it. But I think that it'll really help when it comes to kind of getting a clue for where you are in a conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it like? Or have you tried? What's what's your approach with, I should say, someone who's 180 degrees opposite? They, you know, they're, they want more coal mines opened up. And, you know, they, they shoot, you know, they shoot squirrels for sport and whatever. What would you say to a person like that? to get them well, to your point of view. You know, I guess um, I would want to really understand them better. And I think the whole thing is approaching them with empathy. There is a, um, a social scientist named Jonathan Haidt. He does a TED talk on the difference between conservatives and liberals. And he says that, you know, um, liberals, like conservatives and, conservatives and liberals, there's these basic values that all people have. There's like six of them. There's like car- harm versus care, um, loyalty versus, um, you know, like loyalty, care, um, you know, uh, health or hygiene. Um, you, you know, there's some like basic things that we all care about, equality, justice. And the thing is that um, conservatives, they care about like all six of these different basic values, but liberals mostly care about uh, care, fairness, and and um, I think those two, care and fairness, justice or fairness. And so, like, if you're talking to somebody who is saying that they want coal, if you if you drill down a little further, you might find out that they're loyal to their um, to their to their profession. Like, maybe their dad was a coal miner, or you know, worked at Exxon or something. And now they do. So there's this loyalty thing that they have. It might be that um, afraid of new technology that you know, that they like what they've always had, this sense of, of uh, security and what's already known versus somebody that, 
is uh, more willing to embrace new technologies, a more liberal attitude, a brand new, bright, shiny future. They're not as afraid of change because, um, you know, they're more interested in, in, you know, exploring new possibilities, not preserving the past, not nostalgia or um, loyalty to, uh, you know, the past. So, uh, you know, he talks about this in a way that really makes me feel empathetic for people on both sides that, you know, nobody is, there's this other great uh, thing I've, I've saw on a TED talk by a woman named Catherine Schultz. And she said, it's in a, her, she wrote a book called being wrong. And she said, whenever we don't agree with somebody, we either think that they're uninformed, they're just ignorant or they're stupid and they can't understand the facts that are in front of them. Or if both of those things are not true, they just must be evil. And that's how people sort of approach people with differences. But if we can get past that and be like, all right, they're not stupid, evil or ignorant. They're just coming at it from a different, different moral foundation. They're valuing different universal morals than I am. They put emphasis on different things. So if you start with that, then I think you can probably have a conversation and find some common ground and you won't convince them the first time you talk to them. You might not convince them of anything until you've become basically friends of theirs because we don't listen to strangers. We listen to friends. And I guess, Aaron, my answer would be, um, I might then decide that I'm not the right messenger for whatever the, the thing is that I'm trying to convince them of, that um, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to give a damn what I have to say. I'm too different than them. Yeah. So the best thing I could do is find out who they Need know. Your energy elsewhere. Right. Well, either use that or else try to find somebody on the periphery of their social circle that I also know that might have a better shot of influencing them than I could. You know, maybe it's their their pastor at church or maybe it's their next door neighbor or maybe it's their kid in my school program that might go talk to them as, you know, their dad or whatever. So sometimes I'm not the right messenger and you got to know when to when to not be the person who tries to change somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. Have you seen the studies recently where they said that conservatives' brains are more reactive to fear? They oh, yeah. Have a larger yeah. amygdala. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. And also in a time of crisis. Yet they have the whole... no fear of global warming. I know, right. Well, well it's a different kind of fear. Yeah. yeah. Lisa, you yeah, have but... a question. And now I put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for both. <laughs> uh, where are you on uh, familiarity breeding contempt, so to speak? Not using the word contempt, but familiarity, breeding, just, yeah, okay, whatever. In terms of... <laughs> you mean like family members? Like, like you know, honey, let's put in solar power. Sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Tim. Tim and I don't have those kind of conversations. <laughs> I want to see now me. I want to dive deep onto WikiHow and find out how to make your own solar panels and install yeah. them, the whole nine yards. Can yeah, you your own solar and he just he half the time he either just stares at me or make a, pretends make he a didn't bottle hear wall. me. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. or or just you know says uh huh okay. This is yeah, this is directly in our relationship. I, I, I knew there was something. I'm going for marital therapy here. here. Now I, now I, I was going to say you really want some marriage counseling here now, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's it. You know, <laughs> this is it right now. We probably. Marriage therapy. It's on us, O'Connor. So we got okay. to. Okay, right, here we, we go. Be right, so, right, so, so I don't think we have time to search for common ground, but you know, an anecdote, <laughs> an anecdote may help. If not, then it might be I enjoy amusing. Anecdotes. So I have been a lifelong motorcycle rider, in particular vintage motorcycles, and I had a uh, have a World War II motorcycle. And the museum center here in, in Cincinnati 
um, for a number of years has asked me to display it during their 1940s day events, since I'm knowledgeable and have the motorcycle and I let people sit on it and play with it and touch it and that sort of thing and interact with it. What is so, it? Uh, what brand? What make um, and model? BMW. And then we'll get to the part two here in just a minute. The um, 40s and BMW. We, okay. Yeah. 19. Yeah. Yeah. 1938 actually. But anyway, so the, the, um, We'd, we'd be going to these uh, museum center events for the 1940s and Connie and I would both dress up in period um, uh, clothing and, and hang out with the motorcycle. And there was a big band playing there at uh, the museum center and, and Connie would have to listen to it while we were sitting outside in the hot sun. And um, so she wanted to go in and, and, and dance, swing dancing, Lindy Hop and Charleston and that sort of thing. And I have never liked dancing, never been able to dance. I don't know if you've ever seen Steve Martin and the Jerk, but you know, that's, that's my ability to rhythm. follow, follow a beat and lack rhythm. So, but it just so happened at the time that I had my eye on a, another World War II motorcycle, a, a Norton that fought in the second world war as part of the liberation of, of the Netherlands. And so she made a deal with me that I could have that motorcycle purchased and shipped from the Netherlands over here and restore it. If I took swing dancing lessons for Lindy Hop in Charleston. And so I made a critical mistake in that I didn't set an end time or how many total lessons. So how many years ago was that, dear? Gosh, I don't know. Oh, wow. It's It's been a long time now. It's been like did you, five, years. Did you pay for years? lessons in perpetuity? So, so yeah, <laughs> so, so I, it was a blank check of Lindy Hop and swing dancing that I'm still paying on here. But yep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I now have I'm told I now have the ability to follow a beat and, and Lindy Hop. I can swing dance. Um, I can do period 1940s dancing and I understand the 1940s music and culture and jazz in a way that I would have never have experienced and learned on my own. And it's enriched my life profoundly in ways I didn't expect. And now Connie and I are going to reenactment events so we can oh, broaden to beyond just motorcycles that we actually go to speakeasies and, and these giant events where whole cities turn out with hundreds of people all in 1940s garb reenacting and uh, period uh, events. And so it's, it's enriched things greatly. So it, a little deal like that, what's good for both of you, could develop into something much more. Yeah, that's a good point. Compromise and working yeah. out a little deal. Yep. Yep. When it, when it came to our wedding, he was very nervous about dancing um, mm. because, like you, Tim, maybe he could dance his way to that 85 inch TV. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he tends to stick out. And, oh. Phil's going to have a Phil's going to have a rose in his mouth, and he's going to yeah, be just. He's not a freestyle dancer. He's be a, doing a, a tango. structure dancer. So that's good. Lindy Hop is structure. That's the way yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, mind you, right now I'm still in the wheelchair, but uh, <laughs> but we can figure something. I don't think that should preclude yep. the. There's a will, there's a way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, that's it. That's and my, my wheelchair turns really easily. There you go. He can still do spins. I just get a little dizzier. <laughs> but the thing is, just don't do it. Don't dip. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Something you're life. interested in. I like, casually mentioned that I'm park, interested you know? in maybe doing voice work <laughs> after I retire, 
And I now have a career manager. No, no. See, she, she throws these things out there like, I'm somewhat interested in this. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, that's good. Let's, yeah. go, let's take he, that he goes, and let's whoosh. build on that. And then it's like, then she resents it. Right. Well, I resent it. It's a typical thing. Yeah. He's I mean, supporting I it. Maybe he's yeah. looking to... Uh, Okay. Have That's you good. make a little cash on the side now? He's trying to push you into an, an early. Exactly. Oh, yeah. you guys are sci-fi fans. I wanted to touch on that. Do you have a few more minutes? Sure. Great. Okay. Yeah. I want to mention your book before we're done too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've got my my three D printer right over here is is printing uh, the uh, elements from the Fifth Element as we speak. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> I like that movie. I enjoy, well, my, my introduction to sci-fi was um, Plan 9 from Outer Space. And then, of course, I know. I'm not sure that's an introduction. <laughs> well, my dad likes the spectrum. And oh, good. that's definitely on the spectrum. I mean, we're talking about a movie where you can not only on see one the end screen, of the spectrum. but I think he used rope. Um, <laughs> and the, the cattle. Bella Lugosi. No, no, Ed Wood. Oh, yeah, Bella Lugosi. It was his last movie. He passed away during that movie. It killed um, him. <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, it was drugs. Don't do drugs, kids, or you could end up with Bella Lugosi. But, um, Had to do drugs to be in that movie. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm right. a big Peter well, Laurie fan. Vincent I'm a real, yeah, we're just a real big Boris fan Karloff. of his, you know, his, yeah, exactly. But then also, um, like, for instance, the newest movie that I've really enjoyed... I like some of the Marvel, some of it, you know, I'm not an action, action movie person. I need a story. And yeah, some too. of them I didn't feel had a story. Yeah. Really well, what about Grogu? I think the story was, this is going to make a lot of money for some of those Marvel movies. But um, I do kind of like the personality of the Spider-Man movies more, usually. Yeah. And yep. then um, I'm, I Deadpool. really, I didn't expect, oh, I love Deadpool. But then Ryan Reynolds shares my birthday. So I have to be a Ryan Reynolds fan. Plus, I mean, Ryan Reynolds. So, <laughs> you know. um, and then also Johnny Carson and um, Ang Lee and Dwight Yoakam and Weird Al. Did you say Johnny Carson? Yes, Johnny Carson shares my birthday. Oh, your birthday. Johnny Carson oh, rocks. Okay. Johnny Carson rocks. And that Johnny is one Carson of the reasons why I am like, because we're going to be meeting Weird Al in... Um, uh, coming up in August, we're going oh, fun. to all tour uh, oh, cool. in Dayton, actually. So, nice. Um, nice, you know, and and he paid for the VIP tickets. You do not even want to know. <laughs> wow, I was like, that's how much it was. <laughs> What's oh, the no. venue in Dayton? <laughs> What's the venue in Dayton? I I remember Hera Arena. That's what plowed over. I'm not sure. We need to. It's more of a new D uh, Arena. Think, think Taft Theater, something like that. Oh, it's, it's a, little, it's a like theater. That. Yeah, it's cool. more of a yeah. venue like that. Okay. That's a better vibe. Yeah, yeah, we and and I need to we need to book the hotel because we're gonna be staying the night because Philip doesn't drive home after events. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's nice. So, you know, yeah, but it's it's very exciting. I'm excited, I'm intimidated. I mean, the most famous person I've actually met, I guess, would be it's a tie between um Larry Donald, an Olympic boxer from Cincinnati. And um, Bob Shreve, whom I knocked over. Bob Shreve, Bob I love Shreve? Bob Shreve. I Bob Shreve's past prime time past. I've never heard the Bob prime... Shreve story. <laughs> Bob Shreve oh, rocks. Uh, Bob Shreve's okay. past prime playhouse. You want to see Chicky a little longer? We I used Mania. to call up. 
I used to call up as a, I used to sneak in after my parents had gone to sleep and Bob Shreve was on the television. I'd sneak in and quietly dial the rotary dial phone over and over again to get in so that Mm -hmm. I could tell him something crazy to say in between the the commercial breaks when he would do the announcements of who called in um, uh, after the movies. That was, you know, I had a CB handle of the Green Gremlin at the time. So I'd say the Green Gremlin says hi to some other CB person I had talk to uh-huh. that night uh, yeah you know oh, what the yeah, trick I, I was love- to making the quieter rotary sound mm-hmm. instead of turning the actual rotary dial yeah use the use the hang up hook and press oh, it that, yeah press it that a number of times so if it's That's like right. you know say, say you're dialing yeah. three two one go tap 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 and then yep. wait yep. tap tap and then wait yep. and then tap. yeah i wasn't yep. one of the cool cool kids so nobody told me about that stuff I just so figured how did, it out. Wait, I don't think anybody told me either. But what so happened you, was you we knocked him over. Yeah. We were at the yeah. mania and I had gone to the restroom and the I was mania. coming down the aisle and Bob Shreve was walking up the aisle signing autographs. What year is this? 1970. It, it, it was the 80s. But 80s I guess I was about 14. So I was born in 66. Um, yeah, I don't care how old, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so he's walking up the aisle signing autographs. I'm walking down the aisle looking for my mother, not paying attention at all. And literally, I body slammed Bob Shreve. And he went down. Oh, no. Now, mind you, and many people have since said that he was probably drunk. <laughs> still, I was 14. Yeah. I was absolutely embarrassed. I was also dressed for, like, I was dressed in 50s costume because Beatlemania. You know, I was dressed in 50s, 60s housewife outfit, you know, with the skirt and the whole nine yards. So I just, I ran away. <laughs> but yeah, I literally knocked, I literally body slammed wow. Bob Tree. And it didn't help that at 14, I was like, I don't know, probably 60 pounds heavier than him. <laughs> so he was not a large man. He was, he was little. Yeah, he was maybe like 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. I wouldn't say he was much, because I was taller than him. He looked like a kind of shrunken guy, actually, really, yeah, really yeah, thin. A little Irishman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of wispy. Let's start winding it down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough enough about the throaty ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I just had one last uh, question, I guess, because, uh, you know, you talk about conservationism. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and we do want to get into something. So I recently maybe. heard a mm-hmm. uh, interview with uh, Jane Goodall mm-hmm. on uh, uh, Mark Marin. Marin one. And she did that, uh, this, mm-hmm. her study with chimpanzees and stuff like that. And then, you know, when I look at your Facebook and stuff, I see that, you know, you know I see some uh, lab rats uh-huh. and, <laughs> and uh, different types of animals and stuff like that. I was just wondering what kind of impression, what have you seen in your observation of animals that speaks to um, science or uh, the connection between humans? And, you know, uh, what's the most extraordinary thing maybe that you've seen in observing animals? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think one of the, the topics that really interests me is the topic of anthrozoology, which is the study of human-animal relationships. And I find it interesting when I look at, at people and how they have such interesting, um, how they can love one animal and hate another animal and eat another animal and how they justify what they're, what they're going to do with different animals, you know. Um, and, and I think that's always really interesting. So, like, when I bring my rats to work um, – 
and the rats are just super cute in my opinion. And some people will just shrink and, you know, like other people are really fascinated by them. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, just the different reactions people have to animals and, you know, like when I see some people that, um, you know, that, that, that will, that will get a, a glue trap to trap a, a mouse and then like take that mouse while it's still alive, stuck on glue and just throw it in the garbage. Like it's not even a living thing. And, you know, I have to really try to get my head around, you know, how do they not feel compassion for that animal? There's um, some studies out right now about what helps people feel more empathetic for animals. Tell them, tell them to get a cat. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> That'd be a more humane death than a glue trap. Um, but some of the things that you can do is help people um, see the animal that has, understand that the animal has their own sort of uh, plans. You know, the animal has things it's going to do. It's got agency. It's got a life of its own, its own needs and its own interests. And I see that with the animals in my life. Even little tiny rats have their own plans. They have things they want to get done, shit they got to do, you know. And when you can empathize with that, I think it can really help to um, to sort of form a bond between person and animal. But I, I think probably the animal that speaks to me, well, definitely the animal that speaks to me the most are dogs. I've always been a dog trainer and a dog lover, and I volunteer at a dog shelter. I've done foster dog care, and now I have this crazy little, uh, you know, cattle dog, Tim and I do, and I spent probably three hours a day training her, and then going over to the animal shelter and training other dogs, and um, I think that that's the most moving thing that I see is the, is how dogs and people are meant to be together, just that, that connection, um, and uh, there's just nothing like it, you know. We fostered a dog once and couldn't give it up, so I said no more dog fostering. Oh, uh, yeah. It. Um, yeah yeah that's called a failed foster when that happens that's exactly what it was yeah yeah that's well you know bourbon who was that yeah that's how we got bourbon yeah yeah he was our life he was our life he was our little boy and uh our little man he he uh broke our heart when he died and mm -hmm. i think that that really brought tim and i a lot closer together was taking care of bourbon we both shared such a love for that dog so we're in a dogless house right now three cats oh, and a bird but but sad. i got my grand dog not too far away so i get to go oh that's take good him on all those hikes i would yes. love to get another dog but um we we need something with a little less energy well, Aaron, but, uh... these are lifelong friends of yours do you have a final question for mm -hmm. tim and Con? um mm -hmm. i can't think of anything i you know that we haven't i'm sure i'll think of something as soon as we hang up now yeah. um my my final question is usually, um, is there anything that you wished we would have covered or asked you about that we didn't? I think I would have liked you to ask about our books that we've written yes. two books. Well, One of them mention it, but I Phil's, it was not that's in Phil's the notes. thing at the very end is going to be the mm -hmm. plugs. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, well Connie got Connie got to plug where she works, this insane Atrium Center. I work yeah, at Cadre Information yeah. Security, so yeah, I have to yeah. I have to say that so I can get my friends at work to listen. We'll do, we'll do plugs. There now. you go. There you go. There you go. Phil's <laughs> Phil's got to come up with another question. Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, the names of the books. I did ask. I, I did ask about the book. I, I was going to tie no, it into an Andy Griffith reference. You know, I'm always trying to segue. Do it. Oh uh, yeah. You know, there was an episode of Andy. I Griffith love Andy Griffith. Where Barney went out and bought a 
World War II motorcycle with, with a sidecar. Side oh, okay. Because he was going to mm-hmm. set up speed traps and he was going to get all mm-hmm. these, you know, city slickers coming through town, you know, by hiding out behind the, uh, the you know, the signpost at the, yeah. the billboard, so or he, the, the town sign. So he set up this, uh, he set up this demonstration he was going to do for in front of the town, right? Main Street and everything like that. And he come out with his big leather coat and his goggles and his, his helmet on. And he fires up his motorcycle. He's like, Firing it up, it had Andy sit in his sidecar, and he took off. And I think Floyd the Barber had unbolted the sidecar from the motorcycle. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've, and when I heard what the topic was of one of your books, that's the vision that came to my mind. So, yeah. what was the name of that book, and what, what was it about? Uh, Dogs ride. Yeah, and it's about how to um, how to teach your dog how to ride with you in a motorcycle sidecar. And it's yeah. it's really pretty great because um, there's a lot of dog lovers and there's a lot of people who like to ride motorcycles and they have to leave their dogs at home. And when Tim and I started, you know, dating and everything, I was like, I'm not leaving my dogs at home. We got to take the dogs with us. And so, uh, you know, that's Tim figured out how another way that I think we enriched our dogs lives and our own lives by figuring out how to bring them along with us. And it brings everybody joy. You know, when you put a dog in a sidecar and you go driving down the road, people are they're driving off the road. They're, they're trying to get their phones out and they're, they're honking and they're waving and, you know, it brings so many people joy. They have little goggles or helmets or anything. Oh yeah. 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 It it makes, it makes so many people smile. It's a smile. Yeah. Lacey would have been absolutely nuts for that. Be held accountable. Yeah. 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 She was hard to read. She was hard to train. I was. Yeah. Yeah. She trained herself. I mean, if she wanted to do something, she did it. Yeah. They're smart. They're yeah. smart dogs. Oh, they're working. Smart. She was brilliant. So is the, bo- yeah. is the book available on Amazon or something? Yeah, or? yeah, that's it right. Is. Dogs ride. Okay. And then that's the other, good. and the other book. The other book is called um, "How to Be." What is it? What's you can afford to be a pilot. There you go. And. This one was really great because um, basically I didn't think I was going to be a pilot. I, it never crossed my mind. I thought I had no idea. I, I thought I could never afford it. And uh, when I met Tim, the first thing he did was get me pilot license. And, and uh, you know how he said that his life was enriched by learning how to dance. My life was enriched by learning how to fly. So we both really expanded each other's lives with these with these uh, interests and hobbies. And mm-hmm. that book is really great because it, uh, a lot of our friends have gone on to become pilots because of that book. So it's pretty neat. Cool. And, and yeah. Philip has a you, lot of nervousness. Did you co-write both books, oh, or did did? No, I co-wrote the uh, Dogs Ride book, but Tim wrote the other. Tim one wrote by the himself. other one by himself. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just wonder if maybe having more control. Although you don't actually like to drive either. I didn't want to drive to them canyons in California. Uh, yeah, he doesn't like to be the driver. He doesn't like to be the passenger. <laughs> what's left there is I don't, drive at all. I don't even have a driver's license yeah so. it's okay because he doesn't have, like to fly i either. have a phobia and my psychologist <laughs> agreed that it was a good idea yeah so. yeah. <laughs> a phobia this image of me sitting there with a book on the steering wheel going uh, nah. <laughs> I, I would not be that irresponsible. There's audio books. There you go. That's there right. you go. <laughs> we have a tough time saying goodbye. Yeah. So, oh. And any charities that you want to um, promote or support? If you have well, any, you know, I. Or- I do want to put a pitch in for the League for Animal Welfare, which is the animal shelter down the next to the Claremont County Airport, where I volunteer. Um, it's a no-kill shelter, and they they do amazing work, and they really find a lot of homes for cats and dogs. So 
if you're having interest in astronomy, there's, Cincinnati is unique in that we have three extraordinarily good astronomy clubs. The Astronomy Club at the Cincinnati Nature Center. The Cincinnati Observatory is the oldest public observatory in the world, and they have programs for signing out a telescope to borrow and purchasing them cheaply and all kinds of programs on, on, on how to use them and, and events like Stone Lake Stargazers, where you can go out and look through other people's telescopes. And then we also have the Cincinnati Astronomical Society, which if I if I remember correctly, they're either the oldest or one of the oldest um, uh, astronomy clubs in the United States. Uh, and um, they uh, have uh, some just amazing history and, and uh, dedicated members as well. So if you have any interest in science and astronomy, uh, Cincinnati is, is, uh, has some amazing resources that you can tap into at any They loan out telescopes like a library book? Mm-hmm. That's Very right. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Wow, that's interesting. It's good to see you both. Good, good to, see to see you, you too. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks awesome. for having I had, us. Had a, had a good time. Yeah, yeah it was fun. Really nice to meet you both. Thanks for being here. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Hey.